0: even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life.
1: No purchase necessary. BGW. Revoid. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello, hockey world. It's Tuesday, July 11th, 2017. I'm Michael Agello. And I am Eklund. You're watching the Hockey Buzzcast on hockeybuzz.com. This is the podcast that comes every Monday through Friday. In the afternoon, usually 1 o'clock, but this week we're at different times. I guess it's 1 o'clock if you're in the West. <laughs> so um, yeah, this, this is the West Coast people get to experience what the other, what the rest of us get to experience the rest of the time. But because Mike's been at camps and I'm running around, and um, so you are at the scrimmages today, Mike, right? Yes. Yeah, the uh, Leafs
0: scrimmage. Uh, actually, the, like I said, they, they, they invited 57 players, and the majority of them were free agents and the free agents have been practicing and scrimmaging the last 4 days and the prospects the draft drafted players have been just like going through drills so all the free agents had 3 days of you know game action relative game action hmm. to sort of prepare and they, today they beat the draft picks um, you know i mean there was some good okay. Performances, but you know the the free agents are not supposed to beat the draft picks. The draft picks were drafted. They're supposed to be more talented. Right,
1: right, right, right.
0: In general, they are. But uh, you know, you had a couple players who are trying to impress. Uh, one that that uh, some people would know uh, is a kid named Jake Tatura, who is a uh, from the U.S. National Development Program, he's going to be playing at Boston College, and he scored a hat trick today. He's real small, five six, like 150 pounds. Okay. So he's along the lines of a Johnny Goudreau and a Brian Gianta, who are both Boston College grads.
1: Ah.
0: and uh, he's he's going to BC, and I think you know he's hoping that. You know he can be like the next in the long line of smallish players who come out of BC and and make something of themselves in the NHL. But, you know, he's going to go back and he'll probably be in the draft. He'll be in the draft next year. And you know, based on the limited
1: amount of what I've seen of him, I, I think he'll get drafted because he's playing pretty well. No, he's put together this trick today, like I said, and then before this he's been really strong too, right? It's not. Yeah, he
0: played, he played good yesterday too. So yeah, but right now now he's not signable because he's going to Boston College and there are a couple right. of these other players who are going to college as well. But, you know, that's, again, like we mentioned yesterday, the Leafs are up against it in terms of contracts. So anybody that they're interested in, they have to sign to AHL contracts and not pro deals. That's why, like I said, I think there's going to be some sort of deal uh, down the line, you know, maybe sooner, maybe later. But, uh, you know, there's a lot of talk right now.
1: Yeah, that's, that's what it sounds like. So um, there is a lot of talk. we get into that as well, um, and we'll get into some of that soon. I wanted to first, um, before we get into the main story, which I want to talk about a little bit about Colorado what I wrote about today and other stuff that's mm-hmm. going on with that, we got we have a couple of breaking things that happened after we got off the air today, um, of course. The uh, Lightning, I did re-sign Tyler Johnson to a seven-year extension. Mm-hmm. Um, pretty good money, you know, $5, million, 5 million a year, right? Is that roughly
0: well I, I, and i think i as i texted to both you and russ, you and russ again the tampa bay lightning benefit from the tax situation in florida because more than likely on the open market if it's any other team other than tampa or florida or the dallas stars Johnson's probably getting closer to six million but because there's no state tax in Florida like Stamkos took eight and a half whereas he was yep. going to get offered 10 or 11 from Toronto or Detroit or Buffalo whoever Johnson takes five million from Tampa but he probably it would have necessitated another team if he was a UFA to pay about a million dollars more so he gets to stay with a team that's good the team that he's played with his entire career and he gets five million which is a little below market but because it's He'll get most of it uh, exactly.
1: without the state tax. It's it's a benefit to him. So
0: it's a good deal for both them
1: and and him. I think this is about right amount of money for him. Honestly, even with another team, um, just because just I mean Johnson, I like Tyler Johnson. He has moments when he looks really outstanding. You know where he looks where he looks like he's a, a world beater, but he also has disappearing trick moments too, um, where he has over the past couple of years. Last year, forty five points. And- Sixty-six games, so not like crazy here last year,
0: right? And he's, uh, you know, he's a smaller player, and he's been injured a couple times. But I mean, just like defensemen are getting overpaid, centers are getting overpaid. So right. I think that you know, the the yeah, yes, it's a it's a good amount, and that's the amount that you know it's beneficial for Tampa. But I think on the open market, he would have gotten more, even though he may have not have deserved it because he's a center, and there are not many centers out there.
1: Right. Right. But I'll tell you, the people who also the people who play in Tampa love playing in Tampa. Um, they do, and it's it's not it's no wonder. I mean, it's a beautiful area. I mean, it's where I vacation twice a year to see my in-laws, and uh, in that just south there, it's it is absolutely paradise-like. You know, and I think I think it's much nicer, in my opinion, than than Miami um, and the other the other coast. Just mm-hmm. you know, I'm going to be going to and about in a couple of weeks as well, just to uh, do some business stuff down there. But. I think I think um, I'm 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 a huge fan and honestly, Tyler Johnson just fits into the, his attitude the way it just all it all makes sense to me. Yep.
0: Now I I agree he's the he's the perfect number two center yep. to fit between Stamkos and now they have a young kid in Braden Point who's on their ent- who's on his entry level deal. So you know you're paying Stamkos eight and a half you're paying um, you're paying Johnson five. Uh, points making less than less than a million on his entry-level deal, so everything sort of fits. What's going to be a problem in a couple years, because Stamkos will be under contract and so will Johnson, is the Kucherov deal. And we talked about that last year. Yeah. Kucherov is going to make – now, if he wants to stay in Tampa and take what, what Stamkos is getting, fine. He could ma- – based on the escalating prices, he could make eight figures. He could make yeah. – Ten million, because he's a superstar. But you know, not a lot of people know how much of a superstar he is. They didn't miss Stamkos in the last part of the year because Kucherov was going
1: insane. Right. No, that's the that's the bottom line. And and he's, you're right. I mean, he's he's definitely going to make more than this contract. Uh, and a lot depends on on what happens, you know, with Stamkos coming back. And, and you know, is he the kind of player that you know, if he doesn't have the buck as much, is he as as effective? You know that because Stamkos is going to take some time for sure. So I don't know. I mean, I, th- I think I, I like Kucherov. I, he's been very consistent. He's been very, very good. He was really good everywhere. He's really good at the World Cup of Hockey last year, even. He was just a good mm-hmm. player. But, um, you know, I'm not convinced that he's a $10 million player yet. But, you know, like you say, he could be. He could be. I mean, if, especially if Stamkos were to get hurt again or something like that and he would get a lot of time. It's just, it's just a matter of how much puck there is to go around. But I agree with most of what Eiserman's doing, as opposed to what's happened today, which um, I'm not a huge fan of. The, so today, the hiring of Rick Tockett in, um, to, to, the, to the Arizona Coyotes on a four-year deal. Mm-hmm. This is a big, big deal. Um, and now, Phil Kessel came out and said today, I'm sure you heard, mm-hmm. that uh, Tockett was his favorite assistant coach of all time. And that does sum up a lot of my issues here, you know, um, honestly. That's that's something that because there is something to that, I've heard I've heard about Tockett being other people's favorite coaches, favorite assistant coaches of all time as well. And remember, Tockett had a head coaching job in the aforementioned Tampa, and uh, and didn't do much with it at all. Um, it was pretty much a disaster.
0: Well, I mean, you have to take this into consideration. Tockett took over for Barry Melrose, who was a disaster in his second uh, job in the NHL, and you know. Benching Stamkos as a rookie, you know, trying to teach him a hard lesson, and it yeah. was more like, okay, you know, get along yeah. with the, get along with the players, but and and give Stamkos time, and that was a that was a good thing. Right. But you had a team at that point with the declining LeCavier. I, I think I'm not sure if Dan Boyle was still. I think Dan Boyle was still there.
1: There for sure, but he yeah. was declining as well.
0: They had, they had traded Brad. They had traded Brad Richards to Dallas. Um, you know they had they still had Marty San Louis at that point yeah. so it was a, the, the the core group of that 2014 team was declining he had the, he had the some of the young players but you know most of the young players now um, who are who are stars from John Cooper were playing mm-hmm. in Norfolk in yeah. 2012 when they want when they want to call their cup so he didn't have those players so you know I mean do I think Tockett – well, I know that there's a lot of relief in Buffalo that Phil Housley was hired over Rick Tockett. Yeah,
1: no, there was a ton of relief, and you know, I agree with you totally. I I, I thought Housley was a much better decision by the Sabers than Tockett. I was, and you know, and the fact that Botterall didn't go to Tockett of all the people who knew Tockett, Botterall knew him well. In fact, he didn't go to Tockett, and I think because I think Tockett wanted to be in Buffalo over being in. Arizona. Yeah. Like, you know, obviously, Tockett did play for the Coyotes, right? He was a Coyote for a while,
0: wasn't he? Yes. Yeah, and he was yeah. assistant coach on He was the assistant coach under Gretzky.
1: Right. Right. Of course. Right. So, you know, I think that. I mean, listen. I hate. To, I hate to say all this stuff because Tockett is a guy I actually consider an you know an acquaintance and, and a really good guy and, and one of these guys who I you know deal with a lot. He's been involved in the in the Philadelphia media here when he wasn't coaching. Mm-hmm. um and you know we'd i'd eat dinner with him and he's just a, he's a solid guy but he to me is the epitome of the friendly yes player for now this is though to take it from another angle for a second you know kind of thing on the top of my head this is the uh, kevin and Allen kevin Allen, eric hodg and i once had a show that we did on here on the, the cranky podcast show the cranky writer show that we did where we discussed the ebb and flow of coaches and this is the perfect example of that because you go from a guy who was not a player friendly coach in Tippett, but got a lot out of his players, you know, to an extremely player friendly coach. And that's what that is tends to be the, you know, Evan Fos. You go from player friendly to not player friendly, and then the coach is too friendly with the players, and you bring in a Hitchcock or, you know, one like that, and you bring in that kind of guy. Um Correct. Which was the thing of Lindy Ruff to Hitchcock is, you know, what you saw in Dallas. You know, Lindy Ruff's a little more player friendly than Hitch is, but, you know, Then he's still a tough. tough, He's not, you know, a player. This talk is a definite player-friendly coach. Um, Yeah,
0: and that's and that's something that I'm not sure. Works with a very very young team. Now they did, you know, they did add Stepan. They did add Yarmulson. There's yeah. some more. There's some veterans there. You know, Shane Doan is obviously not coming back. But the core group, the group that's going to determine whether the Coyotes are successful or not over the next three or four years, are uh, Clayton Clayton uh, Clayton Keller. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It is is Dylan Strom. I, you right. know, is the, is the young that, you know, you know the Christian Dvorak, the young group. And if they don't develop, then this team go, is going nowhere. And I, I don't know if, and this is over look, maybe a little bit of an overstatement, but you don't want a head coach that will coddle to the young guys. You want them. You want somebody who will direct them. Maybe right. forcefully, maybe not so forcefully, but you want somebody that they can, can can do that. Now they'll have respect for Taka because he's an NHL former NHLer and was a really good player. Oh, yeah. I just don't know whether he's the right type of coach for that young group. That's that was John Chaika's decision, and we'll see how it pans out over the next few years.
1: Yeah, I mean the guy I liked. I'm trying to think, remember his name. It's like totally was leading me. Oh, it was as Ralph Kruger. All yeah. Right, so, um, you know, and I don't. You know, I don't even know if he interviewed for this job or not. But he is the coach that I think is sitting out there. We talked yesterday about, you know, is Lindy Ruff the guy? And you had a, you had a guy. I forget who you had yesterday. Who the Coach that would be. Oh, um, hmm, I'm I'm Get a good you're a good guy actually. To me, Ralph Krueger is the guy. Like he is.
0: Oh no, t- t- I mean Tippett is sort of the the, the, the coach. Is, Tippett is sort of the coach in waiting, and so in a sense, is Willie DeJardin. Yeah, Uh, and and I know he's coaching the uh, Team Canada, the 2018 Olympic team. So, you know, he's going to be busy with that this year. But Tippett is sort of, I think, the coach in waiting for whoever decides they're going to fire their coach in the first 25 to 30 games of the season.
1: Yeah, I mean, I would go off the, I would go to Ralph Krueger to be honest. I mean, Kruger had a brief stint in Edmonton. As a coach, yeah. but in a time when nothing really, you know, could nothing good was coming out of Edmonton,
0: and there was talk, there was talk about Kruger being in the mix for, I think it was the Buffalo job, but he's working for an English
1: Premier League team. Yeah, he's he's a, one of he's, Yeah, he's a president of that team or something like that. Yeah,
0: and and the, the the question was, and you know, I would have to assume that since his name didn't get forward uh, in in the process, that you know he is tied up with that job that he wouldn't be interested in the head coaching job. Maybe that's not the case, but, you know, his name was mentioned as a possibility and then it sort of dissipated and we never heard of it again.
1: Yeah. This would be something that a big, a big, um, a big NHL franchise like a Chicago or something like that would have to pull off. Like they would have to go and they would have to, you know, they'd have to talk to the English premier team They have to figure out a way to get him out of his contract. Right. It would be a complicated thing, but you you can see a, a team like a Chicago or the Rangers or something like that, you know, going about going that route if, if they needed to, it's just because he he's he's his guy was just was so impressive last year. I loved covering him in the World Cup when he was with Team Europe, yeah, uh, and you know, and just the guy definitely knows his stuff. Definitely works well with great young players, which yeah,
0: is, you know, I, I'm not, I'm not saying you know I it's, yeah, it's very possible, but. Like like we said yesterday with the Rangers, if the Rangers are going to fire Elaine Vigneault, which is you know I'm I'm just I'm just spitballing here, they've got a they've got a head coach on their roster, on uh, in their staff right now. I, I would be shocked if they fired Elaine Vigneault at any time during this year, and that Lindy Ruff wouldn't be the coach.
1: Yeah, no, I'm just with you on that. One.
0: Even if even if it's interim, even if you just 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 for the end of the year, and then you want to reevaluate, but. You know, Rangers, I don't know about if it's If it's Chicago, I mean, we'll see. I mean, I'm not going to speculate on Joel Quenville. How many Stanley Cups has he won?
1: Yeah, you're only as good as your last playoff series. Um, yeah, sure. You know, this is the NHL after all. So I agree with you. I mean, Philadelphia is another one I think that could have a coach still. I think the Islanders could, could – could, I mean, I know they have a coach now, but I think the Islanders could be a team that moves. Under. There's teams, teams that, you know, that are general little powerhouses that are sort of Struggling right now, um, are the teams you have to look at for this kind of situation? All right, so my my blog today is getting a lot of attention. I actually went on the radio in Cherry, Colorado. Um, there's a bunch of things. So my blog today is why NHL sun sources wonder why Sakic has done nothing for the worst team in the, in hockey, and um, and this is a legitimate thing. Like to me, you know, and I tried digging as deep as I could. I hate to get psychological on on this every on this completely, but it, there's almost an element to that with this one. It feels like. Um, you know and i talk to people about you know about Sackick, who really com- compares himself and likes to compare his style to that of Iserman's you know and that this is a big and you remember the, the, what's funny about that to me is i think of Sakik and Eiserman as i remember having debates with people about it like who's better Sackick or Iserman. and then of course these two had the colorado you know the, the famous colorado detroit battle right and here that you know here Eiserman is you know signing signing johnson you know making trading Druan. Um, Eisenman's made has been incredibly aggressive um, yes. when you think about it over the last year. He came out when he first took over, though he was not aggressive for a long time. There were people wondering when he was going to do anything. Now, you know, he's kind of got he got his feet under him, and now he's been he's done nothing but make what I think are pretty solid moves for his team. Yes, like, I think moving Duran was a, was a brilliant move, honestly. Um, you know, it, getting what they got for him. It, it, you know, that could be it. Turned out to be a ton of their top two defensemen. Well, but here you. Right. What,
0: Especially, especially, especially for a player who I don't think, after yeah. the whole scenario that ha- that played out a couple years ago with Duran walking away from their AHL team and and raising a hissy fit and not being a favorite of John Cooper, to get Sergachev, who's probably going to be within two or three years one of your top two defensemen, yeah. is you know I mean I think he I think he took Mark Bergevin to the cleaners. I'm not saying that. Duran is not going to be a good player he's a very good player he's a very talented player but defense in this league right now is such a commodity that if you get a guy who's going to be I'm not saying a superstar but if you get a guy who's going to be a 25 minute night defenseman and you know that's that's worth
1: its weight in gold I have to say as Larson for Hall right I mean you go back and forth it's just like there's you know that that was maybe the extreme of it, but defensemen have more value. You know, if you can prove they're a top four, they have more value than top six forwards. I think that's the bottom line. You know, and I think yeah,
0: I, I mean, I, I that that deal. I mean, we're not going to go into that, but that, that deal. Sure is you know,
1: still, it, it, the only reason it can be justified at all is because of this, because it's right. you sit there and say, you know, it just. So when you look at the whole thing, you have all they've done is got went out and got now Yakupov, who was really,
0: you know. Mm-hmm
1: it's like a shot in the dark. I think it's great. I think it would be great. I thought teams, you know, I was kind of hoping Philadelphia would take a shot at Yakupov. I think Yakupov has talent and, and, you know, can do all these things. But the bottom line is, you know, here's a guy who was scratched like crazy last year when he was in St. Louis. And this is all you did, you know. Um, That,
0: that, that, sorry. That, that, and and they, they acquired Colin Wilson in a trade, but that was mostly a salary dump.
1: Yeah, that was mostly salary. Dump. And yeah. Colin Wilson has proven to be a, you know, I, as much as I like Colin Wilson in the playoffs, he's proven to be not much of a regular season performer at all. And Nashville's trying to been trying to trade him for like three years, so it's like to Colin Wilson, you know, that that trade was something that the Predators were very eager to do, which makes you wonder. Mm-hmm. And you sit back now, and they've got, like you said yesterday, thirty-nine contracts. They have had multiple chances to make changes. And I brought up some 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 sources, and I'll bring up some quotes that I got here. And this is one of the teams that was on that claimed that they were talking that they felt like they even matched out the Avalanche's crazy asking price for Yushin. Um They went in and they said, okay, here's you know, they 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 really they toiled over it. They came back to Zach, and they're like, okay, we actually this okay, we're gonna do this. This is crazy, but we have we really want to get Matt Shane in. Um, and to which Sakic said no thanks and which really that nothing will piss the general manager off more than giving him an asking price and then them meeting the asking price and then them coming back and saying no thanks to their own asking price. Yeah. And but but the, but this team was was, you know, wanted him wanted Sakic enough that they came back and said, Okay, well what else do you want to put in? What else do we need to do? Like what what else do we need to do? And and they got no response at all. So and you know, to the point where he said, "I've never seen anything like it." It was incredibly frustrating. So, this is a you know, and and I bring this up because this you know that is something that they could have done. They could have actually picked up some defensemen in that trade. They could have picked. They could have made now because right now they're looking at three NHL defensemen on their on their roster.
0: Well, okay, first first on Duchesne, the thing is the way Sackick is acting. He's acting like he's extremely, extremely gun shy after the deal that he made to trade Ryan O'Reilly. Getting and now you know, Grigorenko is gone to the KHL. Uh, Zadorov is an RFA, and there and he's threatening to go to the KHL. They got a couple other prospects, but that deal. For a guy who's making seven million dollars a year and is a very good center, you know somebody who played on the team Canada for the in the World Cup of Hockey, yeah. was he got taken to the cleaners? He's not. He's not. Uh, be, he's not uh, anywhere close to being Steve Eiserman in terms of his uh, acumen as right. as a general manager. So this is like I can't get this wrong. I've got to get everything that I possibly can. But you can't make a deal that way. Deals are risks.
1: And they're, they're, they're pure risks you have to find a player that you like the other team doesn't like as much and you've got to go on that that right. does i've heard this stuff, brian burke described it before he said you have to make the other team think that they're getting one over on you right said, so you find a player that they don't like for whatever reason they've he's, he's, he's you know gotten in the doghouse with the coach or whatever and you find that player and you, you bring him in right because you really feel like at the end of the day when he's on your team with a new fresh start you're going to have a better player
0: yeah, so so if you're talking to if you're talking to Columbus, first of all, and I'm just using this as an example. I'm not saying that this is a rumor, but yeah. if you're talking if you're talking to Columbus, and you're Jarmo Kekalainen, you're not giving up Warinsky, you're not giving up Seth Jones, you are willing to give up Ryan Murray. If you're Sackic, of course you're going to ask for Warinsky, you're going to ask for Seth Jones, but you're getting a number two former number two overall pick who has yeah. who hasn't. Uh, you know, developed his game because of injury, but he's not a bad player, and he could thrive in a situation in Colorado where he'd be a top-pairing guy. You have to get, obviously, more than that. So, yeah, that could that, that could be the start of a deal. But if you're not going to do that, then just say, we're not trading him now. Now, I'm sure Matt Duchesne and Pat Brisson will lose their you-know-what because they want out of there.
1: Yeah, because every, they've talked to every team in the, in, the, in the league about him. So it's like, yeah, at this point, point, you know, and they, and Duchesne is such a good person. This is the problem. Like, Duchesne is not the kind of guy who's going to cause a problem with this, for sure. But players I talk to tell me that it's become a distraction no matter how good Duchesne is about it. It has nothing to do with it you because know, Duchesne and all the players are being asked about it all the time. You know, yeah. that, that, that's what it, you know, they can't stop the media. Even the can say, I'm not going to talk about it. It doesn't matter. You know, it doesn't matter if he says he's not going to talk about it. People are still going to ask him about it. They're going to go at him. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and the, to me, what, what everybody seems to, the theory seems to be that there is no ownership there that is pushing this. And Sakik is sort of, you know, now with, you know, Eiserman, for example, has Jeff Vinnick above him and Vinnick is an aggressive guy and some of the deals, like, you know, say, say the Duran trade doesn't go well for Eisman Eisman can turn around and say, well, you know, Vinnick really wanted me to move Duran out. And he can say that. And that is, you know, it could, be, some people might consider that lame, but I've heard, I've had so many GMs say that to me over the years. I didn't want to make that trade, but the coach, the owner said I had to, you know, the owner said I had to make that. The owner said I had to sign that guy, you know. I can tell a couple, you know, Ilya Bruce Gallup in Philly was an example of that. So, you know, there's, there's certain situations. So you look at it, and I don't know if Saki feels like because there's an absentee owner there that they that he that he can't that he's even more gun shy because he can't say that. He can't sit there and say that, okay, that that the owner wants me to trade Duchesne no matter what. But no. and Duchesne, on the other hand, can't go to the owner and talk to him, which is what a player like this would normally do. Um, a player like this would normally go and when he got to this frustration point, he would sit down with the owner and say, Listen, you know, either it's me or like the general manager at this point, you know, like that's what Duchesne would say.
0: You've got two things at play here right now. We know that Duchesne had a really bad last quarter of the year last year, and you know teams will use that as leverage to give up less. We understand that. But there is a pressure point when it comes to Colorado. He's got two years left in his current contract. He's a UFA. Obviously, if it plays out to the end of that deal, he's not re-signing Colorado. It's not happening. He's a, He's gone. Right. right. But. The closer you get to the end of that contract, the less you're going to get in terms of value coming back.
1: Yeah, completely. I think that I think that if you the, play the, him this year, you, I mean, under this distractions, who's to say he's not have another terrible year? You're going to get even less from still. Like that. That's me. The other issue, right? So I mean,
0: the, the this year's trade deadline is where they cross the Rubicon here. So they basically, it's like if if you know if they pass the deadline and and, and you haven't traded them. Then you got a guy with one year left on his contract who clearly doesn't want to be there. So yeah. the team that's trading for him isn't getting value in terms of the length of the contract or cost certainty. They're getting a guy who's probably, no matter where he's going to go, is probably going to go free agent because he wants the opportunity to test the market. So right now, I mean, I think they have to deal this guy before training camp. Get the best best return that they can get for him, and move forward. But that's not the only problem. I read I read your article. It's like yeah. you said they've got three defensemen under contract. Actually, four if you consider David Worsosky, who's played in the NHL.
1: Yeah, Zdor- yeah, you
0: know, he's he's he could be a bottom pairing guy. Zadorov is an NHL defenseman, but you're talking five defensemen. Every team carries eight, at so le- at least. So, I mean, right – so right now it's like he's got to go out and sign three defensemen. He's got the cap room. He's got the room under the, you know, under the uh, the contract limit. There are teams out there like Toronto who've got an excess of
1: bottom-pairing type of
0: defensemen,
1: and that, you know, that might be a cool a, – But how is any of that making you any better? You know, like that, at the end of the day, like what you're talking about now or what we are talking about is really just kind of filling out your roster with sure. from other teams, and that's right. – like,
0: but, yeah. la, but, la, but last year last year like, if you looked at their defense what do you think the, the bottom half of their defense was it was fetter tooten it was patrick weircosh it was eric jelena it was the disposed from other I nhl mean. teams so what is it going to change they're going to they, get martin morinson and cody Franzen and what you know whatever it's going to be the same thing that's the way that team is operating right now because right now they're a rudderless ship that's
1: yeah. what they are and it, it's a shame. I mean you have you have some serious talent there in on the forwards level that you that is completely that's the other thing that's not having an owner, you know. At some point Nathan McKinnon has to step up and say something. Like that if, to me it feels like he's the guy that has to, you know, if this was Pittsburgh, you know, Crosby would have said something by now. And and you know, maybe not publicly, but at least behind the scenes you would have heard about it. Well and, and Nathan McKinnon has said nothing about any of this.
0: Well the pr- the problem with Nathan McKinnon is he really has He has the leverage of being their go-to player, their star player, but he has no leverage in terms of his contractual situation because he signed for six more years at $6.3 million. It's the same thing with Landis He's locked up for four more years and Eric Johnson is locked up for six years. So, you know, the guys who are the core, the the core group, they're all locked up. The only guy who's got any kind of leverage is Duchesne because of his current situation. And, you know, all he can do is is raise a fit because of you know where he is right now, where the team is right now. But if nobody's listening, nothing's going to happen.
1: Yeah, no one is, and no, one, and I don't think anyone is listening. I don't, I don't think anyone will listen unless unless McKinnon comes out and says something. That's my issue. Like I think he's the guy who perhaps the owner would listen to, um, or perhaps you know the local meat local media would get on Sackick and you know perhaps you'd hear something on the radio. But really, it's it's amazing how Talking to people out there, it's pretty much just being ignored, and it makes you wonder. I mean, the thing about Colorado that's you know, it was a great hockey town for a long time, but before it wasn't a great hockey town, it was a really bad hockey town. And
0: well, th- this is this is the thing that's sort of, and we we still don't have the full story, and we may never get the full story, but it's confused regarding the whole Kyle Dubas situation for a month or so ago yeah. because. The Leafs gave Dubis permission, or gave Colorado permission to talk to Dubis, but they thought it was, you know, in regards to analytics and not to offer him the general manager's job, which, according to some reports, that's what they wanted to, wanted to do. Yeah. Okay. Great. But. Does that mean Sackick was going to be get booted up to team president, or was he that's just? That's
1: what I heard. That's what I heard was happening, and you know that I, I mentioned it on the air. Like that, I kept hearing that Sackick was going to was going to move up and step out of that job. You know, and 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 now, if that's the case, Sackick just doesn't want to be the guy who makes this trade and knows that they're going to bring a general manager in eventually. But if that's the case, then when you know when is this general manager going to be hired, and who is who the hell could it be? You know, that's well. the question. Well, yeah, I mean, if, if, you, if you didn't, now, you know, the draft is passed,
0: so you're free to hire a general manager if you want, but would you, you want to be the general manager who takes over there in that situation with, as you said, absentee ownership and a, a team that is just a, a, mor- a morass, a mess, uh, dysfunctional? How many other ways can you describe it?
1: Yeah. yeah. I, wouldn't want, I wouldn't want the job. No, I mean, I, I mean, there are definitely general managers out there who would take it. Um, but cause it, and some of them would say, you know, they would, they would look at the positives. I know, you know, some of them would say, okay, well, the positives are we have a couple star players we have, you know, and, and a new general manager would come in there and go, sit down with Dushane and Landis God and say, listen, you know, you guys are good players. Let's make this work here. You know, that, that could happen. And that's the only way you get through to a person like Dushane at this point and, and get him and to, we do convince him to stay. Mm-hmm. It's not going to happen. Um, but but you're right. I mean, it's a tough it's a tough spot to be in. An absentee owner is a, is a curse and a blessing, you know, and I think that it's only it only works well if, if you're if you're willing to hold yourself accountable and take chances like you need to take, which is not what's happening with Sakic. He's he's really just floating along, expecting the situation to work itself out somehow. And it's not. It's it's and he's he's now past the point. Like I think I don't think I think you're saying to Shane, like the Rubicon is 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 the trade deadline. I think that I think it's now. I, I really do. I think it's flat out now. And, and if they make it to the trade deadline, I think I think they're gonna they're gonna get pennies on the dollar for what they want. So I think they, they have it. They have offers right now. They have a chance to make something happen. Right. If they just let this go, well, then the, it's not gonna get better.
0: The only reason I said the deadline is because at least the team trading for him gets a playoff and another year. where obviously, I think a team say like the Islanders like. Columbus, like Boston, who are mentioned in your blog. You know, they want Duchenne, they want him for two full years. They want that, you know, that additional scoring to take another shot at or, or have a, a better chance at winning a Stanley Cup. But I think they would take him with a with a with a playoff in another year. But yeah, I mean it's possible that the price would go down, but the deadline Raises the price sometimes, and teams get desperate.
1: It does. And if you're having a good year, if Duchesne can get his act together and say, "Okay, I'm going to play really well because I want to get traded and I want to get my, I want, you know, I want to get," and then perhaps, perhaps that happens. But you know, the chances of that are kind of they don't feel they don't feel great. You know, it feels it feels as if you know you're going to see more of the same from Colorado this year. You've got too much money tied up in the wrong places. You've got only twelve million dollars to fill up a whole defensive core, so you really have to move Duchesne to get that money back. Or, or,
0: and it, it might be an and or, you move Tyson Berry, who, right. who you're paying five and a half million dollars to, and you know if you can get two defensemen for the price of one, or you know what I'm saying if you you know you, you know get a young defenseman, I mean right. Berry's probably a commodity that there are a number of teams out there who are looking for defensemen would be interested in. He's a right hand shot. He's you know a good skating defenseman, but. You know, I mean, if they need to alleviate their cap situation, then, you know, you're not going to move Eric Johnson. You're probably, if you're moving Duchesne, you're not going to move Landis or, or McKinnon. Um, you've got Rantanen on your on an entry-level deal right now. So, yeah, and, and the kid that they drafted this year is not going to be in the NHL for probably at least two years. And they got screwed
1: by the ping pong balls this year for sure. And, and well, McKinnon. My-
0: Makar is a is a good player. It's just it's gonna yeah. you know he's gonna play he's gonna play. Uh, I think I think he's playing at Boston University. I may be wrong on that, but he's gonna he's gonna play at least a year, maybe two in the NCAA, and that'll be that'll be good for him. Um, but it's not gonna be immediate help. I mean, he could be a very good defenseman in a couple years, but it's gonna take time. And what they may be doing is they may be. Positioning themselves the tank again and get one of those top two, you know, Ramses Dalene or uh, Svechnikov in the 2018 draft. It's very possible they're doing, you know, this is all a, a calculated maneuver sure. to to finish 30th. And if that's the case, then you want to trade Duchene and you want to trade Barry right, to that bottom out. That's what you
1: to do. But that is in this in the in the way things have been set up since. And Toronto was the last team that could actually try to tank and really and feel safe about doing it, in my opinion, because the way the ping pong ball is set up now, you can't. Right. Your chances are just as good that you don't get him True. Get that pick, so it's it's pointless. You know, to me, that that's just it, you really can't even. I like the way it is set up now because I don't like the idea of teams tanking. So, I think it is, it is much better. Moving on to um, Evander Kane. Um, this has been a an ongoing situation. I've been trying to chase down for you for a long time. You know, I know the, the, the Savers felt as if there was no way that they could get that they could make keep Kane and make it work. That was the whole feeling. Um, that they had tried everything they could and that they had to move on from Kane. Um, now I hear that Botterall's actually brought in a little bit of a different attitude, trying to at least say with maybe new blood i come in here and I can say I can give him a new chance and he can feel he can feel refreshed because he's got a new coach. He's got all the stuff that he has to do with. Um, so it sounds like the Sabres are actually more inclined to try to keep him now than move him um, and see if they can get it started again.
0: For the moment,
1: I think. Yeah. You know,
0: what what I think, and like we were just talking about with, with Duchesne, um, Kane's different in the sense that he, he's in the, entering the final year of his contract. You're more than likely going to get just as much – now, as you will, at the deadline with him being exp- an expiring contract, especially if he repeats what he did la- right. last year and scores close to 30 goals. So right. it's a, in, the, in that sense, Bottero can back off that we need to trade this guy and just milk him, get, get, as, much of a, get as, as good of a year as you possibly can out of him, and then at the deadline maybe then you can uh, get a bevy in return. I would be shocked beyond reason. If they extend Evander Kane, I, I cannot, I cannot fathom them doing that, but him staying at the beginning of the year, you know, there's a lot riding on, on the Sabres success right now. I mean, you, new coach, new general manager, but I think Terry Pagula wants this team to perform a lot better than they have over the last few years. They raised ticket prices. People in Buffalo are not too happy about that. You know, there's questions about their goaltending. There's questions about, um, you know, Jack Eichel after last year, all that situation, there's a lot of questions that need to be answered and, you know, keeping Evander Kane or Kane around and having him score goals will help a little bit. But if he, you know, gets injured again, or if he has some off the ice problem again, then all those problems come right back again.
1: Right. For sure. Um, the other rumor I'm working on that I haven't written about yet is Montreal involved with Tyler Myers talk. And, um, you know, we talked about Tyler Myers yesterday in terms of the Maple Leafs. Perhaps when I was mentioning Markov and other possibilities, you know, Truba. Um, I know that Montreal has tried very hard to get Truba to want to go to Montreal. It apparently, has not had the luck that they've looked for there. Mm-hmm. Um, and some people are telling me they're starting to consider Tyler Myers as an option. Um, the Montreal has to. Have some, Montreal's in a situation of colorizing. They they have to do something as well. they they really they really do and. Whether or not this is the move or not, I don't know, but it's in Montreal. Well, I mean,
0: Tyler Myers, I mean, we, he missed most of the year last year. He's making over $5 million. I mean, Winnipeg might be in a position after adding Kulikov that they just want to get rid of Tyler Myers' money on the cap yeah. and take a prospect or a draft pick back, let somebody else assume the risk. Yeah. I mean, I saw him in Buffalo. If he's anywhere close to being that player, then he's a good acquisition. It's all a question of what you have to give up for him and if you have the cap room. We know that Montreal is the cap room right now, but the question is his health. And, you know, if he, I think it was a hip problem that he had, if that comes back, then, you know, I mean, Montreal can absorb that because he, he'd go on long term injury, but they really need a defenseman who can be there on the ice. And if he, there's no guarantees. If he is on there on the ice, then, that's, then it's a good addition. But, I mean, I think he makes sense in a number of, of uh, in a number of situations in Toronto. Like I said, in Montreal, there's a couple yeah. other teams that need defensemen. So, um, I mean, we'll see what happens. But you know, I'm Kevin Cheval isn't exactly usually the most risky of general managers and active
1: of general managers. So. No, he isn't. But yeah, it seems as if there are some. Signs. we've had Peter he's talk about it too. There are some signs that he's loosening up, and perhaps, probably because the ownership is probably pushing him, which is what we were talking about before. You know that, you know, and it's good when ownership pushes general managers at times because, you know, a general manager who doesn't do anything is, it's 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 a lot easier to not be criticized when you don't do things. Um, it's a lot you put, when you when you actually do something, you put yourself at risk to being criticized much more often. Um, but, but often teams fail because general managers don't do something. And you know, but it's it's harder to sort of pinpoint that on a GM. Right. You know, you can say, Oh, these players we had the players and the players, you know, also but yeah, I think that I honestly think that Chevaldev is looking like he's gonna do some more things. Um, and it sounds it sounds like Winnipeg has to be something. Winnipeg is in that, in a tough division, a tough spot.
0: Well, and, and and one of the other things that has to be considered is that now Myers makes five five this year and next year. Uh, Enstrom is in the last year of his deal. Nick Ehlers' entry level deal expires at the end of this year. And based yeah. on the way based on what forwards are making, you know, he's gonna be asking for at least what Shifley is making, which is six, six point yeah. one, and maybe more. And so, you know, by clearing Myers out. You maybe open up room to extend Ehlers for, and if they're going to extend Ehlers, they're going to extend them for eight years. They'll try to get locked up as for as long as possible. So it's all asset management and and money management here.
1: Yeah, they yeah, and they need they need to do that. I mean, Ehlers has been such a such kind of an underrated player for them and for such a long time now. Under
0: the radar definitely.
1: Yeah, under the radar, and you know, but he, but yet you know, part of that team that that's turning into a really fine young offensive team. With a lot of with a lot of weapons they just but they need they do need defense as well but they need left-handed shooting defenseman that's their biggest issue they're still tied up with which is which is the crazy crazy problem to have in the nhl it seems like i can never think of another team that that had that needed you know more left-handed shooting defense but i mean look at the rangers went out of their way to get a right-handed shooting defenseman in chat because usually what's happening um, but they had they're tied up with and I guess that I guess the Leafs also want left handed shooting defensemen, right? No,
0: no, the Leafs want a righty. They 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 have got two but I think Mont actually I think Montreal wants a left handed shooting defenseman. That's and I think Myers is a righty, so that
1: He's a righty, yeah. So that, that does play out of that. Yeah.
0: I mean the, the funny thing is is that the defenseman that Montreal really needs is Andre Markov, but they won't give him what aren't they won't give Markov what he wants.
1: Yeah, as of now. I mean that we'll see see how this plays out but i you know i don't know we'll see we'll definitely see how that plays out for sure we have 85 days till the nhl season starts by the way um the other thing that i was told um and this comes out of yager's agent who's come through the, through the lines that yager is talking to multiple nhl teams and, and is not going to go to the khl despite rumors you know that he would start to see and so despite what you might think of yager actually Maybe using the KHL's layers. I don't think KHL and Yager are friends. I don't think that this is an option that for them. No,
0: I, I I I'd like to see Yager hook up with an NHL team. It's I think it's possible. I keep going back to Vegas because I think even though McVee and him, you know, that was the first time around. But Vegas could use star power. Could use yeah. a guy who's going to be a Hall of Famer on their roster. It's you know I mean the first year is going to be a sideshow. It's going to be you know, I mean, Marc-Andre Fleury and James Neal and not a lot, not much else. So why not have Yarmar Agar there to, to bring in some fans and maybe score a few goals? I mean, I think, yeah, I think it makes a lot of sense. By the way, Kovalchuk, one year contract with SKA. You tell me that, you know, he's going to say this time next year, he will be shopping his wares again in the NHL and it'll be probably it'll probably have to be a one-year contract because he's 35 at that point, and nobody's going to want to sign
1: him to a multi-year deal. Yep, we're going to be stuck with trip rumors forever, which has <laughs> been the case since we started this thing. Um, but, yep, that's for darn sure. Mark Reckie's been named an assistant coach, basically takes over a target spot um, with the Penguins.
0: And Pierre Turgeon got hired as an assistant in L.A., Wow, I didn't know that one, okay. Yeah, for, uh, under John Stevens. I think that's I think that's his first coaching job, although for some reason I I think that he coached in the queue, but I'm not I I
1: can't, you know, I'm not sure. Right. Wow, so we are definitely seeing a lot of uh, a lot of players jumping in the assistant coaching spots, which is which makes sense. Um and finally today, I was told and then picking this up, I saw this is pretty pretty funny on Reddit um for hockey that Vladimir Putin Sent, sent a present to um, Alexander Ovechkin, a wedding gift.
0: Was it Donald Trump's phone number?
1: Uh, nope. Um, but <laughs> this but is a – I'm
0: they're, trying to figure out what
1: it is. Like I was looking to see what the heck it was. Um, it looks like some – I don't, know. I don't
0: know. Yeah, I don't know. all I know is anybody who wants a good laugh, check out on Twitter the video of Alex Ovechkin at his wedding reception. He took off his shirt, and he was singing some song with a couple guys, and it's pretty – him doing it sort of like trying to do like a, a Radio City Rockettes. Oh, boy.
1: Uh,
0: yeah, it was like a kicking, like, like line dancing type of thing. It's pretty funny.
1: That is definitely something that I will not be looking for. But you should definitely, if you want to, and if you want to try to figure out what Ovechkin's present more, check out Reddit hockey because I, I cannot understand. It looks maybe some kind of pottery. Um, I don't know. Probably something very expensive. But I have no idea. Probably something he stole. Please. Anyway, we'll be back again tomorrow with some more news for you and more stuff as we go along. Mike, enjoy tomorrow again as you head back up to Toronto. I know you've been taking your journeys. Uh, Spending a lot of time on the highway there.
0: Ugh. Well, tomorrow will be the fifth fifth drive in six days, and it'll be the last one for a little while. Yes. There
1: you go. Remember, guys, without the buzz, it is just hockey. We will talk to you then. With the Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere.